Welcome to the High Rise Podcast, presented by Headset, the leading data and analytics company for the cannabis industry. So on the high rise, we're always talking about different product categories, right? We're talking about edibles, talking about beverages, vapor pens, you know it. But there's one product category that I don't think we're going to see anytime soon, and that is chewing gum. And I bring that up because I wanted to talk about this Politico article that was just published last week, uh, written by Paul Demko, Moda Zhang, uh, and it's all about Parallel and Bo Wrigley and how he got involved into, it was Certera at the time, and they've got a few lawsuits that have been filed by angry investors that are alleging some fraud here. It's a pretty interesting article. I thought we could go through it. I thought we could talk a bit about you know the history of, of Certera slash Parallel, kind of how they got to this point, and like what's next for them. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. And I think that, you know, Sai and I talk a lot about that cannabis is the next consumer product category to watch. And having the storied Wrigley family enter into cannabis and seeing the potential. And and for anyone who's interested, you can also look and there are some articles about how Bo Wrigley, who is the Wrigley that got into this, saw the potential of cannabis and drew the parallel very nice. The, thank you. Uh, to the chewing gum industry, which, of course, there's the famous Wrigley Building in Chicago, which is interesting how Chicago has become such an epicenter of the MSO headquarters in our industry. But anyway, it's it's an interesting arc, this whole story. And and I think Sai and I were chatting about it. But, you know, it just goes to show how tough this industry is. But uh, Sai, I'll let you jump back in. Yeah, no, I, I think that that is a great point. And um, Certera goes pretty far back. So before it was Parallels, known as Certera, I think they were founded in 2014. So even before we started Headset, you know, Leafly was a handful of years old at that point. Uh, founded by an individual, Jake Bergman, raised over $50 million and actually got one of the five original uh, licenses in Florida. Now, the thing to remember here is that Florida in 2014 looks very different than Florida in 2022. Just a much smaller market, not nearly as many patients. And a, and a big difference was the types of products that were available. Like flour wasn't available for the longest time in Florida. So from there, you know, the years go by. Uh, by 2018, they had eight dispensaries uh, in Florida. I think at that point, there was about 130 patients uh, in the market. So the market was starting to grow. Uh, today, it's about three quarters of a million, about 730,000 patients. So it's grown significantly from 2018. And, you know, brands like Trulieve have been very successful there. But uh, Sotero is one of the the original. They uh, needed some more capital. And that's where I think Bo Wrigley comes into the story. That is where Bo comes in. And, and I think for folks listening, we've also talked about Texas a little bit when we had Aaron from Texas Original on. And you could kind of draw some parallels to the very tight and, and restrained market that that is to where Florida was to where it is now. It's certainly opened up. Um, but yeah, Bo invested $65 million into the company in that round of financing and uh, subsequently took over as the CEO of the organization and then continued to push from there. So at that time, they were in Florida, as you noted. They had expanded into Texas. They had acquired the apothecary shop in Nevada, which had cookies on the shelves. And they were in Pennsylvania, which for listeners at home, if you've been paying attention to 
one of the bigger, longer running REITs in cannabis, which is called IIPR. It's publicly listed. Uh, there was a Blue Orca short report that came out a couple of months or maybe a month ago. And what they did was they kind of detailed the way the value was assigned to the assets in Pittsburgh in particular on the parallel transactions on the sale leaseback. And so it's just interesting how these things are all interconnected across different companies of the industry. They also made what was a really coveted transaction at the time in acquiring Netta in Massachusetts. They had a very impressive revenue generating door in Western Massachusetts. And so they went on from there. And so they were looking at expanding into all of these markets. I think they had other flags they were hoping to plant in Michigan, Georgia, which they ultimately did not win, uh, New York, New Jersey, and so on. Yeah. And, um, you know, you think about in 2018, you know, a company like this gets uh, Bo Wrigley involved from the Wrigley uh, family and the heir to the Wrigley fortune, you know, from a, a prominent CPG brand is able to pull in a lot of people from other CPG companies, people from Patron, people from Kellogg in different roles. And with these MSO ambitions, and, you know, they certainly, you know, are an MSO and were growing and had ambitions to grow even more. I think it's it sounds like a, a really good bet. Bo Wrigley talked about, you know, this is going to be a bigger impact than Wrigley ever was, which is, you know, quite a significant statement to make. It made the analogy that uh, the cannabis industry is almost like Las Vegas before it got so normalized, before, you know, people like Steve Wynn came in and kind of changed the look of the industry. And right now is that inflection point. You know, they made some comments around like focusing on cannabinoids, you know, different effects and and whether you know and, and and trying to you know they they worked or they somehow made an investment in a in a group that was focused on that biopharma you know i don't know you know how how realistic that stuff is but it sounded like you know they had the right kind of thought process around this right and when you you think about the mso models you think about everyone's position like on paper this sounds really good yeah, absolutely. It's one of those tricky lines we have to walk in cannabis where, you know, there's that Wayne Gretzky expression, skate to where the puck is going, not where it is. But you really, because we are a capital constrained industry, you have to be very careful about how you skate to that point because we don't have a ton of capital flowing into the industry. As we were just talking about, like Bitcoin, trillions of dollars have flown into that space. We have not seen that kind of capital inflow in our industry. So you have to be very selective about how you're building your business. And frankly, without headset data, we would not be as wise about how we're allocating to hit the consumers who are most interested and spending the most in the category today, but also thinking about where the future lies. And a lot of folks have made that assessment. Yes, brands create moats and protect against massive price compression and commoditization. But until we get to the point where the consumers are catching up to that and to where the markets are sophisticated enough to support it, it's very difficult to see the ROI that you need on that type of investment, but it definitely is future facing. And I, I really appreciated that. And so much so that when Ceres did the SPAC with Parallel, we actually invested into the $225 million oversubscribed pipe around that transaction because we thought this was a really interesting lining up of a group that was focused on the future of a consumer product category in cannabis. As we know, they actually had the exclusive rights to the Coral Reefer brand that is the Jimmy Buffett brand. And along with the series SPAC came the support of the Scooter Braun group, 
if you will, because they have uh, different agencies and assets that they have that come with that, as well as the team from 72 and Sunny. And that was part of the benefit of the Series SPAC is that whichever company became a part of the SPAC would have access to 72 and Sunny, which is a very well-known LA-based agency. And so thinking about the consumer side of this, and, and oh, and also Red Light Entertainment, which I believe is the Bonnaroo group, and some of that group was part of Outside Lands. And this dovetails perfectly into how we talk about it's consumer product, but it's also consumer experience. And so I thought there was a lot of really interesting features to this that were driving in a forward-facing way around how cannabis would evolve. And so this SMAC was set up, gosh, when was it? It was supposed to go in summer of 2021. And I guess we were still in the heat of all the SPACs going. I mean, there's still kind of some positive momentum there. Things have slowed down significantly, I think, since then. But this was to really raise the capital that they needed to continue that growth, right? Up until this point, there'd been a lot of debt financing, I, I believe, to to fund the business. And this was going to get them out there, you know, being able to go public, raise some more money, continue their expansion plans. And then where did it go sideways? Because the, like the projections were, were pretty high. And this is all called out in the article about these revised projections. Was that after the SPAC fell apart? Or was that kind of driving some of the behavior that caused it to fall apart? Yeah, I think that, you know, as you're getting close to despacking, you're making sure everything's buttoned up. And I think that during that process, looking at where the actuals were coming in and revising down the projections was going to change the way this whole thing looked. It was a $1.9 billion valuation at the original time when the SPAC was being set up. And, you know, there were a few things that changed during that time. Not only did multiples come down drastically, as we all know, because this industry kind of top ticked in the end of February of 2021. But also the projections, the revenue projections and the EBITDA projections, which were basically almost nothing, but the revenue projections came not just down a little bit, but as Matt Carnes, who has been a guest on the high rise noted, it was a magnitude of a shift. So the industry in general, by the way, has done some revising down of projections as it was kind of right sizing on the backside of COVID, right? We have to re assess kind of what the trajectory of this industry looks like. But it is the magnitude of the revision that really did make a difference here. And I think that, you know, when you're going public, everything is exposed. And so you have to be ready for that. And I think that that's one of the things that probably drove the SPAC uh, to kind of bust on this one. And the projections were 600 million in revenues or revenues in excess of 600 million on course to have 86 uh, dispensaries across eight markets. And that really puts them, if they were to achieve it, looking at the 2022 expected earnings for other MSOs, it puts them in about sixth place behind Cureleaf, Trueleaf, uh, Green Thumb, GTI, Verano, and Cresco. So they would have been, you know, right there should they, you know, have achieved it. Now these projections were. Some time ago, you know, these other Cure Leafs, True Leafs, you know, their projections, you know, looking at today's numbers. But, you know, some MSOs have achieved it or like significantly more, you know, than the, the 600 million. So not that it was insurmountable or this number that was so crazy that, you know, there's just no way any organization could achieve it because we've seen, you know, many organizations achieve this, you know, open well over 100 stores, you know, 
easily, you know, at least eight markets and revenue is much more than 600 million. And so when the thing falls apart because of this, I think it uh, starts to point to maybe some challenges just operationally. Like if others could do it and, you know, and, and you're coming from this world, you know, Wrigley, the name, the brand, all these things, you know, that you just mentioned, you know, all these advantages, you know, connections to the entertainment industry and so on. It seems like it's just set up to win. So then it, it kind of falls apart at that point, the SPAC, and then they need to find money to keep the lights on, right? Yeah, because with the despacking at the original, like, just going back to the original SPAC transaction, at the time of despack, they had estimated they'd have four hundred and thirty million dollars on the balance sheet, which would have been. I mean, we talk about debt service. This industry is quite leveraged, and folks who don't really know that they should dig in. And the reason for that is that our cost of capital and on the equity side has been so. I mean, it's been so high; it's also been almost non-existent. And the only way that many groups have been able to get comfortable in investing in cannabis is to do do so as creditors uh, or on the debt side of the capital spectrum. And so this industry is a leveraged industry. And the way that it works is you have to really underwrite that your debt coverage is going to work out and that you're going to have the revenue bills and the EBITDA, which was, of course, very low to lacking in this uh, particular organization versus like Trulief, which has truly impressive EBITDA margins. It was just very different. So you just have to look at the debt service. But if you're bringing down projections from over 600 million down into the 300s per this article, that makes a $350 million debt load pretty onerous. And a lot of folks also don't know when they're investing into these companies it's not just the debt coverage, it's also the covenants that you have to be very careful of because there's certain covenants that can be tripped and then all of a sudden you're in default. And these can be everything from reporting to, you know, amount of cash on the balance sheet. It's a lot of different things and you have to be very mindful of it because if you trip a covenant, you're in default and then what happens next? Yeah, they raised us $25 million and I think this is a point of contention and where one of the lawsuits is coming from because of the way it was used because of uh you know some claims around self-dealing given like Wrigley was leading some of the other investments and and how all this was going to get paid out now you know these are just you know things that people are saying we'll see how this all pans out if it gets to court and uh you know when it does but i think the big takeaway for me is that like it's just really hard it's tough right and we talk about these mso's uh, week over week, and we talk about the scale, and I think sometimes it's easy to take for granted. You know, it's like when we talk about, oh, they got 130 stores, or there's many markets, so they introduced a a new product for the consumer in in this many markets simultaneously. Like these things are hard things, and even though you know companies are so well set up and and sounds you know so good on paper, it, it's frankly just hard to to execute. It's super hard to execute. When I talk to investors, they often ask me about the credentials of the people who are involved in these organizations. They want to know the analog businesses that they've been in. And you ran through what would stack up as an all-star list of people at the top of this organization. And it just goes to show that you can draw from a ton of experience, but cannabis is a unique beast. And it does, to your exact point, it really points to the way the ones that have succeeded have really done some hard work to get to this point and are continuing to work hard to hold those positions. Yeah. And they've made some headway. I mean, they have 44 locations in, in Florida. It's about 10% of the market. They're in all those other markets, including places like Texas uh, that you mentioned, but they're certainly not as uh, far as they'd like to be. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how these lawsuits pan out. Thanks for listening to the High Rise Podcast presented by Headset. 
For more information on Headset, visit headset.io.